Nurse has space. Sarah Nurse puts on the brakes. Hits the trailer. Shot. Oh, what a stop. Rebound. Score! The captains double down. Marie Philippe Poulain. And it's 3 0 Canada. I'm not sure what the f this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside episode 1003 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. Make sure you're following along on social media at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Pods, uh, wherever it might be. There's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. Make sure you go ahead and hit that. We're going to keep the good stuff coming for you. Uh, just before we get to our guest today, I want to mention that... Uh, if you head back, wherever you're hearing us right now, episode 1002, we had Steve Bunda from TSN 1200 on. Lots of talk on the UFC, lots of talk on the CFL and the NHL. Uh, go ahead and uh, check that out if that's your thing. And episode 1001 was Mike Wilner from the Toronto Star. We were talking Blue Jays with him. So lots of good stuff on the pod right now if you want to circle back and check any of that out. This week, we continue a weird August of international hockey that uh, we don't normally see. The World Juniors is wrapped up. We covered that with Bunda a little bit as well on episode 1002. But uh, on the 25th, later on today, when most of you are going to hear this, we kick off the Women's World Hockey Championships. And happy to welcome to the show today for uh, the first time making her TCA debut from the Ice Garden. Holly Morrison's here. How's it going? Uh, it's good. Uh, excited for some Women's World actions later this week. Um, yeah. Some August hockey. It's uh, it's. I no, guess it's a little. It's a little weird. We're getting. I, I'm getting a little used to it. We had the bubble in 2020 last year. We had women's worlds again in August. Now we're having world juniors and women's worlds again. I, I don't know. I, I, I think by August I'm kind of ready for hockey again at this point. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it. It's nice. It falls outside of the the regular hockey season, and it falls outside of when I have to be in class for school. So right. it works for me. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get to uh, to that in just a little bit and a little bit of your background before we get into the tournament. But before we do, um, I let you know before the show started and you were a good sport, you, uh, you were willing to play along. We like to have a beer while we chat. Um, what have you brought to the table today? Um, so I have, it is from a brewery in St. Catharines, which is where I live. I go to school in St. Catharines. Uh, it is from Cold Break Brewing. It is a sour beer with raspberries. It's their endless summer raspberry edition it's like a nice red color um it's sour it's tart it's sweet and i really like it so are you normally a uh, a craft beer person or have you gone out of your way to do this for us here today or are you normally into that scene as it stands it sounds like you already know um, your your beer a bit i'm i'm definitely a beer person yeah. i'll say that um not too, i haven't been a craft beer person uh for a while but um you know being in st Catharines, the wine scene is big so you gotta you gotta learn how to how to know what good wine is and part of that is you know they're starting to open up a bunch of breweries uh there's one kind of close to where i live they make good dinner they have a good beer so i was out for dinner the other day and actually tried this exact can uh and it was it was pretty good perfect to see uh the endless summer as we uh, get ready to talk hockey uh you can crack that whenever you want i don't like to keep people waiting too long i am having something here there you go. Um, <laughs> I got something here from the uh, Bosch Kong Brewing Company, which is up in Minden, Ontario, um, not far from where over the years we've had a couple different uh, family cottages. Um, and this is their 18 and 135, which is actually uh, named after a highway intersection, uh, not far from the area. But this is a cream ale. Uh, they say it's going to have a little bit of a, a cereal flavor to it. Um, I'm not normally huge on the cream ale 
scene, but I, I, I like to do cream ale. Yeah, that's your your thing. Yeah, that's that's usually what I go for. Okay. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't dislike it, obviously, or I wouldn't have grabbed it out of the fridge here or wouldn't have, uh, have picked it up, but it's not normally my go-to style, but, uh, I do kind of like the idea of, of, uh, you know, maybe your, your local brewery having like a flagship that's kind of, I don't know, named after the area, the, the highway intersection here, there is a brewery in Madoc that uh, I stop at frequently on the way back and forth between the cottage and Ottawa where, uh, where I live, that's called the 762. And again, it's just the intersection of highway seven and highway 62. So maybe that's going to catch on a little bit, but that's what I got going on. This is from the Bosch Kong brewing company. So, um, before we, uh, we get into the tournament that's going to kick off this week. And I do want to ask you a little bit as well about the PWHPA uh, league that we're supposed to have firing up later this, uh, well, I guess the early part of next year, but give us a little bit of your background, your, uh, um, you know, how you found yourself writing for, uh, for the ice garden and, and covering women's hockey and just sort of how you got into this. Yeah, totally. Um, it was kind of an accident at first. Um, the whole women's hockey thing. I, you know, was going to school at Brock, Obviously, Brock has one of the more famous sport management programs in the world, thanks to a certain alumni who works for the Toronto Maple Leafs now. Um, <laughs> I didn't originally, <laughs> I didn't originally plan to go into sports. I actually was planning to go into theater, oh. um, and that didn't quite work out for me. Uh, it wasn't my scene. Um, I didn't feel super great about paying for classes where people just said um, to spin and like pretend to be a tree. Um, so I. I started working for my school newspaper, uh, the Brock Press. I was the assistant editor. I covered the men's and women's hockey teams there. And from there, I just sort of got into writing about hockey. Um, I got, obviously, it was already quite into women's hockey, um, just watching it as a fan. And then during the PHF bubble season, uh, since it would have been early 2021, mm-hmm. um, there was an opening for someone to come, well, not obviously not come to the bubble, but come on board to the ice garden uh, to cover the Toronto Six for the bubble season. Um, and so I applied for that. Um, I already sort of knew a couple people who wrote there, was quite good friends with them, um, and was lucky enough to get a temporary contract to cover the Toronto Six for the one month of the bubble season. And then obviously the, the rest of the season after there was a little bit of chaos when the bubble got shut down right. um yeah and then after that i was asked by michelle jay who is the site manager managing editor um overall wonderful person if i wanted to stay on board and cover the toronto six uh for you know the foreseeable future and that's where i am now and that's awesome but for people who aren't familiar the ice garden is sb nation's uh women's hockey website and um you know great stuff there if you're looking for any sort of background on you know, the PHF, the PWHPA, International Women's Hockey, um, it's a very good resource to, uh, to keep an eye on. And, and that's where uh, I decided to, uh, to start when we wanted to, to do this. I've, I've seen some of your writing before and thought uh, you were probably the right person to guide us through the, uh, the beginning of the Women's World Hockey Championships this year. And it doesn't seem like all that long ago, or this month, not this year, they happen most years, um, as, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like all that long ago that Canada was celebrating a gold medal at the Olympic Games, which were also kind of strange. We're, we're getting used to these bubbles, I guess. You're watching these huge events in front of very scarce crowds and, and things like that. But as per usual... Um, you know, Canada, USA find themselves in a gold medal game. It wasn't, I don't know, it, to me, it wasn't one of the classic 
Canada-USA games that we've seen over the years certainly didn't hold a candle to the one we saw in the gold medal game of Worlds last August. But uh, it, it's been a strange period for, for all of sports, but certainly for, for women's hockey. And, and we've seen Olympics uh, you know, and world championships postponed and moved around and shifted and adjusted and everything that had to get done to, uh, to make this happen. Um, just before we get into the specifics of this tournament, are there any sort of restrictions as it pertains to COVID that you're aware of? Is it bubbled? Is there going to be crowds? What do we expect to see at, uh, at the tournament in Herning, Denmark starting uh, this week? Um, as far as I'm aware, it's not bubbled like it was before. Um, I know for the, um, obviously the world juniors that just happened, they were allowed to have full crowds. Um, but as far as like specific restrictions, I haven't seen anything. Um, there could be, obviously it's, um, up to the facilities. It's up to Denmark. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there will, there'll, there will at least be, you know, people in the stands. It's not going to be totally empty and crowd noise sort of pumped in like we got <laughs> used to, uh, for these couple international tournaments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not quite back to normal, but not quite empty stands. I don't think. Um, there are 18 returnees from the Olympic team. I believe I have that number correct, but there are some notable names missing. Uh, Melody mm-hmm. Deu is not going to be there. Natalie Spooner is not going to be there. I believe Rebecca Johnston is missing. Is that normal in the first year after an Olympic tournament? And can you tell us just sort of uh, what's behind those absences? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it definitely is normal post-Olympics. Not every player who played on the Olympics is going to go to Worlds. Sometimes younger players might get a shot. Um, sometimes, you know, older players might have stuff to take care of. I know for Natalie Spooner specifically, um, you know, her and her partner are starting a family. Uh, so she's on maternity leave. Um, so she won't be there. Um, there's a couple people who have... Uh, Claire Thompson, I think, specifically is one who was left off, but she has school obligations. She's going to med school. Um, so yeah, players who are left off this roster, um, you know, likely, you know, you don't need to read too much into that and say they're off the team for the foreseeable future or that there's something wrong. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect to see Rebecca Johnson completely ousted from Hockey Canada or, right. you know, I, I would expect Natalie Spooner to be back. Um, so yeah, that kind of thing I think is certainly normal. Um, what about Melody yeah. Deu? We saw her injured at the Olympic Games. Is this an injury thing, or is there a different reason she's not competing at this tournament? Yeah, I have. I don't know any like specifics about it. I have, obviously haven't spoken to Melody Deu, <laughs> uh, but I would make the assumption that it is a an injury thing uh, that she's just making sure that she's all good. Um, you know, not wanting to sort of put any additional stress on an injury when you don't have to. Yeah. Um, not to say that it's just worlds, but it is just worlds. They happen every four years. It's not the, sorry, every year instead of every four years. It's not the Olympics. You know, you have a chance next year. Uh, you don't want to make a season ending injury into a career ending injury by straining something. That you right. Yeah. We have a, a friend of the show here. Her name's Amy Burke and she's a, a Paralympian who's competed at four straight uh, Paralympics. And she's also uh, a mother of two and frequently disappears that first year after a Paralympics to uh, it is something a little different for women's sports where the burden of parenthood falls much heavier on female athletes. And often that's the best time to go and take that family time as well. Right. Cause you then have three years to, to ramp back up uh, before the next Olympic or Paralympic cycle. Um, there was over a hundred players at the pre-tournament selection camp. 
that seems like an ungodly number, an unmanageable number of people to try and evaluate. But we are starting a new quadrennial and Hockey Canada would have been interested in seeing, um, you know, who might be on the verge, what junior players might be ready within four years. You also need to have players around just to, you know, compete in these little inner squad games. Were you surprised to see that number that high or is that kind of commonplace and this is the right time to get a look at that wide a scope of players? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't super surprised. It was yeah. It's not uncommon for them to, you know, say that they're evaluating a bunch of players. I think the intention is usually to have the team look pretty much the same as the Olympic team. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting any players from that hundred to sort of make um you know, to shake things up too much. Um, obviously, Toronto Six Rider, a big fan of Michaela Grantmentis, sure. but I wasn't expecting to see to see her on this roster. It would have been, you know, ideal and awesome to see her on this roster. <laughs> but yeah, they bring in a bunch of players, so they have practice players, and so that they know um, they'll also bring in, um, you know, younger players, just you know, see who's ready for the U18 team, to see who's you know maybe not ready this year, but might be ready next year when you know when some of the older players retire, who's good to take those spots. It's important to have people at camp who, you know, might not make the team, Mm -hmm. but who are being sort of prepared and primed to maybe one day make the team. As Canada gets ready to start uh, this year's world championship, they're taking on Finland on the 25th. um, And uh, we'll work their way through the round robin and and wrap that up against team USA uh, before moving into the playoffs. I, what are some players that maybe we're not super familiar with that we should be keeping an eye out for? Obviously, we all know Captain Clutch, Marie-Philippe Poulain, and the, the things that she's become famous for over the years. Uh, we all know her. Sarah Fillier burst onto the scene at the Olympics as a rookie and certainly cemented herself as someone who is going to be a huge part of the future. But outside of those two names and maybe you know some names that we're already kind of familiar with, who would you be most interested in taking a look at that maybe isn't a name we're super familiar with already. Yeah, totally. I think one of the names that gets, um, and you know, she's been on the team for ages now, it feels like one of the names that kind of gets overlooked because, you know, she plays with Marie Philippe and she plays with Sarah nurse and she plays with all of these names that we know, um, is Brienne Jenner. Um, she's been on the team for ages. She's a phenomenal hockey player. She plays on the first line with Poulin, um she scores goals she makes passes she's got a killer shot uh she's just an all-around really really good hockey player and I think because this Canadian team is so deep is so stacked year in and year out um a lot of her contributions kind of get overlooked in favor of players who are maybe a little bit flashier um who maybe you know the thing about Marie Philippe is that she makes everything she does look very very easy um (laughs) Brianne Jenner doesn't quite do that. You know, you, she makes an effort and you can tell that she's making an effort. So it might not always look as sort of slick and cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the things that she does are, I think, equally important. And just in terms of like a level of talent and sort of goal scoring, she's, you know, right there up there with, you know, Poulin and Nurse, um, you know, certainly above just in terms of a depth chart above Villiers. Um, So, yeah, I would I definitely would. Um, you know, if I was someone tuning into the tournament who wants to watch for, you know, someone to have a breakout game, I would I would keep my eye on Brianne Jenner. 
What about uh, this addition of the blue line? We saw, you know, a bit of a changing of the guard there at the Olympics, at least as it pertains to, um, you know, comparing it to the previous Olympic team. The blue line saw a bit of turnover. Um, what do we expect to see there? Who will be kind of tasked with carrying the power play? Who might be tasked in more of a shutdown role? What can we expect from Canada's defense? Yeah, um, I mean, the thing about Canada's defense is that they really often don't have to do a whole lot of the heavy lifting. Um, Canada at these tournaments, especially in the group stages, spends a lot of time yeah. um, in their own end. So uh, being, a, being a Team Canada defender, I'd say when they're playing like Germany or Czechia, um, it's, it's not, not, not the most... Obviously, Taxing. it's a job. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's not it's not your hardest game um, by any stretch. Um, but yeah, they're all pretty impressive. They're a little bit younger. We've obviously got Jocelyn Rock still, you know, forever and always uh, on the blue <laughs> line. Um, I would expect, you know, to see uh, they have Micah Zandy Hart um, on the first fence pairing with Aaron Ambrose. That would, I think, would be an interesting sort of pairing to watch. Aaron Ambrose, um, a little bit more offensive than Zandy Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, I would expect to see um, Ambrose on the power play again. Um, yeah, so I think their defense core super strong. It's not defense is not their strength. Obviously, their strength is going to be their insane group of forwards. Right. Um, you know, the defense core is nothing to sort of turn your nose up at. Is there a chance that, you know, the coaching staff will use this tournament? Look, obviously we know what Poulin can do and, and Jenner can do, and um, they will always be in your back pocket when you need them in big moments. But is there a chance that this early in a quadrennial coming off of an Olympics just a few months ago, this is sort of the maximum amount of time, obviously, before the next Olympics, that you might choose to put some of those younger players in those uncomfortable positions and see if they're ready to handle it in the interest of building them up over, um, you know, the the next three or four years instead of putting Poulin Jenner out on that, you know, offensive zone face-off down by one. I assume that's probably against the U.S. because who else is going to have Canada down by one late? But, you know, is there a chance that maybe we would see some things here that we wouldn't expect to normally see just because we already know what some of the veterans can do? Let's find out what the youngsters can do. Um, I would expect, um, you know, I think if they're down by one, their priority is going to be win the game and they're going to put Poulin out. I think if you're in a situation where you're beating, I don't know, let's say you're beating Finland by three goals, it's the third period, you're pretty comfortable. Um, you might tell your first line to, you know, take a couple shifts off. Um, you might get your third or fourth line involved in the action. You might get the second line more involved. That's where, you know, Philly is supposedly going to play. Um, you know, you might see what Emily Clark can do. You might see what um, Emma Malte can do. Um, yeah. So there's definitely room to experiment, but I would expect um, when they're trying to score goals and they're trying to win. And then especially once you get to the elimination rounds that you're going to see pretty much the exact same thing that you saw at the Olympics team Canada, uh, likes to figure out what works and stick with it. Sometimes they'd be for too long, but uh, they do certainly find a roster that's good and just keep running it. Yeah, you mentioned that in your uh, Team Canada preview there at the Ice Garden. Like I said, I recommend people check that out. But that at times in the past, Canada has been a little bit guilty of sometimes sticking with things a little too long when maybe it's not working. But we'll we'll have a chance to see what that's going to look like uh, in this tournament. What about in goal? Is there any change from the Olympics? And, and how do we expect that to shake out? Are we going to see a bit of a tandem here? Or is someone going to get a chance to run with it? 
Uh, we've got, you know, Annette, Davian, and Mashmeyer. Uh, they're also bringing Christian Campbell. Um, and, you know, they could could end up being a tandem. It could end up being whoever, you know, has a better showing in the first few games. The thing about a tournament is that, um, you know, someone might just be having an off two weeks. You know, if yep. Mashmeyer doesn't show up, then it's Davian's crease. Uh, if Davian doesn't show up, then it, it belongs to Mashmeyer. They're pretty much to, you know, they're... I'd say sort of equivalent in terms of skill. Like if you were assigning like an EA NHL <laughs> 22 number, they'd probably be around the same. Um, but yeah, it it'll be about the same as the Olympics. I would say no, no major changes in net for them. Um, yeah, I want to talk about the uh, the EA thing in a minute because we saw some interesting news here uh, here today. But but we'll get to that. Just um, outside of Team Canada, then we all know the Americans are obviously. Uh, most likely going to be the biggest obstacle in terms of winning another world championship. They had won like a decade in a row with them before Canada um, jumped up and, and got it done last August and then again at the Olympics. Uh, but they, the Americans have changed coaching staffs. They'll have a bit of turnover as well. But, you know, a- unless there's something really noteworthy about the Americans that you want to put out there, who outside of Team USA should we be taking a look at? Some players that maybe could make a difference, a team that might be ready to jump up and bite one of the big dogs on the ass. Like who else might make a difference here at this tournament? I mean, I think if you're looking for someone who can sort of, you know, take it to one of the big two, uh, the most likely culprits of that are going to be Finland. Um, they're, you know, they've been number three for, it feels like since the beginning of time, um, <laughs> you know, they, the bronze medal, um, it was actually in one of our other Ice Garden previews. Uh, Mike Murphy said it's basically anything more than bronze is a huge overachievement. Um, anything less than bronze is a huge disappointment. Wow. Uh, so if they don't win bronze, it's... So they're pretty pegged here at... Uh, at three, yeah, yeah, it's got where you on it. Um, but that being said, they... You know, anything could happen. Canada has a bad game. USA has a bad sure. game. They win in the... They win a semifinal that maybe they shouldn't have won. Um, it's entirely possible that Finland goes home with a silver medal. Um, I wouldn't say it's super likely, but I would say that it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, in terms of that bronze medal, though, it's not definitively Finland's. I would say Switzerland could definitely challenge them for that. Um, Switzerland is, I think, one of, in terms of just like international senior women's hockey teams, they're one of my favorite teams because they've just been, they're so. Like fourth place usually has their name on it. Um, you know, they they came in fourth last two tournaments, uh, but they have one of the best under twenty five women hockey players in the world in Alina Mueller. She's been on this team since she was a teenager. She's skilled. She's technical. She's freaking amazing. Um, and they're just a sort of like young, but incredibly skilled, incredibly um, determined team. And sort of to them, winning the bronze is the same as winning gold to Canada. It might even win, mean more to them. So they're another team to sort of look out to be in medal contention. Um, yeah, so that's that's probably who I would be on the lookout for. I'd also, I'd also just in terms of like if you like watching hockey that makes you feel good, if you like like Mighty Ducks-esque warm fuzzy <laughs> stories. Um, is Iceland coming? <laughs> If I, I would love if Iceland was coming, but no. <laughs> um, if you also, if you like, if you like just sick as hell jerseys, um, watch a Team Japan game. Um, they're in Group A for the first time oh, wow. in the history of this group competition. So they, 
made their way up from group B to group A after they went three and one in group B last time. They played in a quarterfinal against Team USA um, and they lost 10 to two, which, you know, seems like a bit of a blowout. But those two goals were really significant. They were the first two goals that Japan had ever scored against the US. Um, They're smiling all the time. They're just excited to be there. They also play really good hockey. Their power play is like clockwork. Um, So, yeah. If you're if you're if you like a good good warm fuzzy hockey game, Japan. Okay, is this so? It sounds like since they had already made their way up and and had played the U.S. in a quarterfinal before, they're there on merit, not just because the Russians are not there. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. They a hundred percent earned it. Um, they are in terms of like. Um, just like depth, they're um, probably on par with Switzerland. They're probably okay. closer, um, you know, in terms of group competition to, you know, group A than group B. Uh, they are, yeah, they're there. They're there because they earned it 100%. Well, that's good. And, and that's cool. Like we saw just last week there at the, the World Juniors, obviously the Russian teams have not been permitted to participate in IIHF events. And, and so Latvia got the step up and you kind of predict, uh, you know, good for them, but this is going to go poorly. They end up getting a win over Czechia and ending up in a quarterfinal. And you love those sorts of stories, right? It, it, especially um, you, you, in this case, Lat- Latvia has made it because the Russians weren't. But once they got there, they still made something happen, right? They showed they, they could hang. And, and, and so it's kind of cool to see, obviously, slightly different. Japan has made it there on their own merit. But uh, it's, it's fun to see some of these teams that you don't expect too much from starting to, to just show some incremental improvement, right? And we're definitely seeing that across some of these uh, countries in the women's game. Absolutely. I think if you want to look at, obviously, there are always going to be people who are going to say, it's not fun to watch Canada and the U.S. are going to win the whole time. And I mean, you watch the World Juniors, so that's, I don't, <laughs> that's more you need to have. But if you want to look at how well the women's game is progressing, um, I say looking at like countries like Japan, um, Hungary, Germany, even Switzerland, um, I think that's a phenomenal way to see how far the game has come because, you know, you used to have Japan losing like 30 to nothing to Canada and it looked sad. Um, But now they are actually playing, you know, structured sort of skilled, technical, just amazing hockey. That's fun and exciting to watch. Yeah. And you know, this is one of those things that a lot of people don't understand about competitive sport. Like I, I do remember watching Canada, uh, take on Japan in Nagano in 98 because I'm very old and Nagano like that that Japanese team wasn't good like it, it really wasn't and but those are athletes who took their game very seriously and you know for all the times we hear at a world junior or a women's world or the men's worlds which has its whatever we hear oh it's embarrassing oh it's those athletes want those moments they want to compete against the best because that's the only way you improve you have to sharpen yourself against the best out there and yeah sometimes you see some lopsided scores but i think it's sort of pompous what we see sometimes from some of the media in comparison to if you actually went out and asked these athletes they want those games because it's the only way their their programs are going to improve yeah 100% there's no you know you Japan's team doesn't get any funding if there's no Olympics for them to prepare for, if there's no women's world for them to prepare for. They need those opportunities in order for them to, you know, exist as a team, basically. So when you're you're saying that, essentially when people say that, you know, it's not 
worth watching because only Canada and the U.S. are there, or like they should only invite the people from Group A. What you're saying essentially is that teams like Japan, like Sweden, like Hungary have no right to get better. And I think that's just incorrect. And we've seen it over the years. They have gotten better. Like it takes time. But it is happening. We're seeing it, the, the gap close, right? Like it used to be Canada, USA, and then a mile, and then everybody else. We're seeing Finland get closer. Finland, by all rights, you could you could make the argument Finland might have won a world championship a couple of years ago, depending on your thoughts on, on instant replay, right? Like Switzerland is getting closer. Like it takes time, but it's worth investing in. And and to just see these ridiculous articles every time an Olympic rolls around and you watched your first game in four years, go, that's ah, not happening. Well, you're not paying attention and, and we have to give this time because it is it is happening. It's just it's slow progress. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, Switzerland has a bronze medal from a few years ago. Yeah. You know, Olivia Miller was in high school when she won her <laughs> first bronze medal. She's Alina Miller is like I think she's only a couple of years older than I am. Um, and she's been at like every single international tournament since she was a teenager. Um, she's not done getting better. No. She's going to keep getting better. Right. So wait, um, yes. I think you'll, you'll see, you, you know, you, I think we're not that many years away from Canada and the U S not being a hundred percent locked in for the gold medal game. I think right. other countries are getting better. And I also think Canada and the U S are making some mistakes that other countries are going to be able to take advantage of in terms of development and player selection. I think that's an interesting debate that maybe we should have you back on to talk about on uh, another time that sometimes it is that everybody else is catching up and sometimes the two dogs at the top are, are not necessarily making the right calls at every uh, at every every turn. So uh, we can get to that at a different time. Before we move off the world championships, is there anything else that, that we should note heading into this tournament or that I haven't asked you about that you think is, is noteworthy heading into to the event? Because... Um, you know, it, it is a little odd that we're doing this in August. Sometimes people aren't quite ready for hockey yet. I'm a bit of a, a and you know, it's, it's Canada. We are hockey nerds. As the tournament builds, we will get into it. But is there anything that you think is worth discussing here about the tournament that I haven't asked you about? Um, I think there is just one thing that I sort of do want to shout out. And this is just a really fantastic resource for anyone who wants basically that NHL number, NH, you know, EA NHL number to assess things. Um, friend of mine, his name's Mikhail. He's at Hunter of Stats on Twitter. He puts together this fancy stat metric. Um, it's called Networked Women's Hockey E. It basically assigns a number to each player that tells you basically how many goals they would score at a certain level. So it assigns a number, basically it takes all of their stats and compiles them, mm -hmm. and it tells you how good that would be so basically, the example is, if someone scores five goals in the PHF in a season, how many goals could they score at Women's Worlds or the Olympics? Okay. Um, and it tells us basically that Marie-Philippe Poulin is at a 1.92 um, and that Blair Turnbull is at a 0.58 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check that out, um, if you're into the sort of EA NHL numbers, he is at Hunter of Stats on Twitter and it is a phenomenal resource it's one of the things that i was sort of looking at um in preparation to be here to talk about that uh but basically yeah what it tells you is that canada's really good and that <laughs> finland's better than you think it is um and sweden's not bad but they're sweden so they should be better uh that kind of thing right 
I, I'm a big nerd for the fancy stats, so uh, we will absolutely yeah, include that. Uh, we'll include that in the show notes, wherever you're hearing us on your podcast app, wherever the description of the uh, episode is there for you. We will make sure uh, that we have that resource linked for you as well as at talkanaudio.com. So um, look for that. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. I'm actually interested in checking that out because, like I said, I'm a bit of a geek for this sort of stuff. So um <laughs> We did hear, we've referenced now a couple times, these EA numbers, these player assignments. We did see earlier today, I didn't tell you that uh, we were going to talk about this because, frankly, I didn't know this was coming. Um, EA Sports has announced their uh, cover athletes for NHL 23, which is coming out here within the next couple of weeks. And we're going to see Trevor Zegras and Sarah Nurse uh, share the cover. Did you know... This was coming, um, we did hear last year that there was going to be an update to the game where they would start in, including the, the women's rosters, so that was a, a big step, and now to have moved right away to seeing the first ever woman on the cover of one of these EA Sports NHL games is, man, it's a huge step. Um, I didn't obviously know that was coming. Was that on your radar at all? No, not at all. I think we were all super surprised by it, um, and it's just great to see. Is Sarah Nurse the uh, the right one? She was someone who stepped up and and made a huge impact at the uh, at the Olympics. I believe she set a record for points at the Olympic Games. There, you'll correct me if I'm wrong on that. But um, very cool to see that uh, you know that she's the the first woman to to be on the cover. They make the right choice, or would you have gone somewhere more obvious, a Hillary Knight, a, you know, a Marie Philippe Poulin, something like that, or or is this the right way to go? I think I think 100. percent Sarah Nurse is the right player. She did set that record at the Olympics for points and also, I think, assists. Yeah. Um, so she had more assists than anyone ever, you know, in the history of a single women's tournament. I think Sarah Nurse is 100% the right call. You know, you said maybe Hillary Knight. I think they probably wanted to do an American and a Canadian, and obviously Trevor Zegers is yeah, okay. so amazing. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. Well, I also think Sarah Nurse is like the right call for that, uh, not just because she is a phenomenal hockey player, which I think goes without saying. Mm-hmm. She's also just like really cool. <laughs> she was one of the uh, Tim Hortons Barbies too, was she not, before the Olympics last year, I believe? Yeah, I think she was a part of that. Yeah. Um, she's just super cool. She's super media savvy. She's super involved with that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah. Um, phenomenal hockey player, phenomenal person. I think a plus choice for the cover, and also the cover just looks cool. It has a weird kind of like I don't tropical feel or like I don't know what they were going. <laughs> it's quite a family, Kia Nurse and everything that uh, that she does, as well as being you want to talk about media savvy, the the basketball contribution she makes there on TSN. Obviously, uh, Darnell Nurse with the Oilers. Um, Man, I don't, I don't know what's uh, in the gene pool there, but uh, they've done all right for themselves uh, amongst the uh, the nurse family. I wanted to ask you about, uh, over the course of the spring, we started hearing, uh, I'll be honest with you, the first place I was hearing about it was from Jeff Merrick on the, the 32 Thoughts segment on Hockey Night in Canada, and it started to grow from there. This idea that the PWHPA, who had all along been holding out we're going to do our own thing. We're going to do our own league. They, they'd they had kind of a sort of complicated relationship with the PHF, the Premier Hockey Federation. There was sort of a difference of opinion on how this thing should look, and they weren't really able to come together. I guess at some point there was an attempt to mediate them together that didn't really work either. But we started to hear that the PWHPA was going to have their own league, I believe, starting in January. Um but also over the last couple of weeks, we've heard this sort of, 
uh, renewed schedule for the PWHPA secret. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the tour now. Is it the Dream Secret Dream? Tour? I think Dream Gap Tour. Dream Gap. I think yeah. it with the sponsors, but yeah. Yeah, and it, it. I understand that Secret is the name of the sponsor, but it does seem funny when we're trying to promote things to have Secret in the name of the site. Anyway, um, what do we know about this league? Does the fact that they're getting this tour ready again mean that maybe the league isn't going as well as as hoped, or is that going to wrap up in time for the league? What do we know on that front right now? Yeah, I think it's... Interesting. Um, obviously, the you know they're going to keep brainstorming, which is I think great for them, great for visibility. Um, I don't think it's their long term plan. Um, they in the press release basically said they're continuing to work towards the launch of the league, um, but that they have signed sort of a non disclosure agreement with potential partners, and so they can't comment on what's next for the league, I think, is sort of how everyone sort of interpreted that. So I think either what's going to happen is that we're going to get one of the classic surprise women's hockey announcements where you find out two days before it happens and everything seems very rushed. Um, and you get a tweet from the PWH Twitter account that says, we're playing hockey tomorrow in our league, or it's not happening until next year. I think the second is more likely. Um, it takes time to start a women's hockey league, mm-hmm. you know, if I've learned. One thing, studying sport management, it's that, that kind of stuff takes, you know, a significant amount of time. Um, but yeah, it's all very, very murky. Stuff with the PWHPA has always been a little bit, a little bit murky. Also with the PHF, it's, you know, communication in women's hockey leaves much to be desired sometimes. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that it's not happening. I'd just say that it's maybe more likely going to be postponed. Yeah, I, I, like I believe what we had heard was that, you know, there was some numbers thrown around about average salary and it would at least be, hey, you know, can you imagine athletes can live on it? What a novel idea. Um, and there was some sponsors in the back pocket and it, and it seemed like everything was moving in the right direction. And then all of a sudden everything went pretty quiet until, and like I said, this is why I like to talk to to people like you. This all went pretty quiet until we started to hear about the barnstorming happening again, which is great, and it's still good hockey, but it sort of set off alarm bells that would you still be doing this if the league was on time? And maybe you would, because if the league wasn't going to start till January, you could still barnstorm right up till November, December, and then um, be off and running. But I don't know, it, it, it kind of set off this the sirens in the back of your mind that were like, oh, I wonder if this thing maybe isn't quite as far along as we had hoped that it was and it sounds like you're sort of in that same boat that it, it's at least possible that this is gonna have to be pushed back a little bit yeah for sure i think you know i don't think that barnstorming means that it's 100 percent not happening that they're not getting a league i don't think that that's the case at all you know they've been working on this for ages they've got you know high profile sponsors they've got billy jean king working with them they've yeah. got you know a lot going for them i just think that you know sometimes things hit snags sometimes things take longer than you think they will um sometimes a partner makes you sign a non-disclosure agreement yeah. so you can't say how long you take that seems um, like a terrible a idea with- like i get in terms yeah. of business but if you want to build this and you want to get it out there and get people excited and a lot of us want to be excited like to tell people not to talk about it just seems like such like seems so counterintuitive doesn't it it's yeah it's a little weird i don't I, it's certainly not what I would do if right. I was in those shoes. We'll just say that. <laughs> um, 
you know, I think the brainstorming is going to be good. It'll be pretty much the same format as, you know, you're used to. It'll be the fourth tour that they're yeah. going. They're doing this weird, not weird, but sort of different and innovative sort of player evaluation system where um, they're going to give basically before players just picked whichever hub was closest to where they live mm -hmm. um, and played there. But now there's going to be a little bit more um, structure in the way they pick the teams um, and sort of just like a more equitable distribution of talent. Sure. Um, we did also see that uh, the PHF is now expanded into Montreal, so they don't seem to be backing down with any like they're remaining just as aggressive as they ever were in terms of expanding and, and seeing their vision of this thing through um, are you know we any closer to seeing these two entities find uh, some common ground or ways to work together or are we still going to be looking for a couple of years at two very different visions on what this should look like kind of moving in their own direction I, I think in all honesty that I don't think we'll ever be at a place where there's going to be where they're, you know, I don't think we're ever going to see a merge. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that they both just have different visions on how hockey should work. Sorry, I dropped my pen. <laughs> um, I think they both have different visions on how women's hockey should work. And I think that sort of stems from the earliest days of, like, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, the CWHL, and the National Women's Hockey League, the NWHL. Yeah. They butt heads a lot because the CWHL was not for profit and the NWHL was for profit. Um it's not as if, you know, these players are sworn enemies and they hate each other. A lot of them are friends. A lot of them went to school together. Some of them are dating each other. It's not like, you know, they don't hate each other. And right. I think that's something that a lot of people might get confused where it's like, this is like a, I don't yeah, know, Romeo and Juliet. Opinion, two more, right? you know. it's, yeah, yeah two, different, two different opinions, two different ideas. In fact, I think that it's good for there to be two women's hockey leagues competing competing for fans so you want to do the most innovative cool things to get people to watch your league and that's good for the league and you're competing for players so you know some players might you know prioritize the you know level of play in a league and so you want to elevate the level of play some people might prioritize how much they get paid and so you're going to do whatever it takes to be able to pay more players more money um and so those two leagues competing with each other for those kinds of things i think is overall good for the game of women's hockey i don't think there necessarily needs to be some sort of like meeting and meshing of these two organizations and i especially don't think the nhl needs to be you know the big supervisor of that i think that you know it's it's fine as is they don't need you know big brother boy to come in and fix everything for this little world um but it's, it's just kind of sometimes how it feels uh, or they're like, we need, we need a man to sort out these silly girl problems. <laughs> um, no, I just think it's, it's competing businesses and it, that overall is good for both of them. Um, and I also you know like the idea of you have a PWHPA league and you have a PHF league that is more roster spots for more women's hockey players to occupy after college. It means that, less people have to start playing, have to stop playing elite level hockey once they graduate. Um, and I think at the end of the day, that's what for me um, makes it so that, you know, two leagues isn't a problem. This is far from the first time that we've seen this, right? The WHA popped up and challenged the NHL. We've seen the American football league and national football league go head to head until they figured things out. And, 
um, the USFL. Like uh, this is not uncommon. Uh, it, the early days, you you carve it out. I got I see it going this way. You see it going that way, and and we'll just do our own thing until we get to a point. And maybe we never come together, but maybe we do down the road. And like you said, for now, the bonus job or bonus extra jobs you know twice as many teams that can only be good for uh, for the players uh listen tell the people where they can follow you and and your work i really appreciate you making the time where can people uh keep up to date with the latest from uh, holly morrison yeah for sure i write articles for the icegarden.com so if you want to see my writing most of it most of the women's hockey part of it is there um i'm also um, so on Twitter all the time. Um, so you can follow me there at Holly Morrison, uh, two wise and Holly. Um, that's not how I spell my name, but someone took my name on Twitter. So I had to add you. Um, yeah, you can find me there. Um, yeah. If you want to see my stuff, ice garden and Twitter. Um, and we will make sure all those links, like I said, are in the show notes at talkandaudio.com or in your podcast app, wherever you see the episode description, we will uh, make sure everything's linked there. Can't tell you how much I appreciate you making some time to walk us through some of this stuff where this uh, this upcoming league stands and, uh, of course, the World Championship starting tomorrow. Thanks so much for your time, Holly. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Talk and Audio. Make sure you give us a follow there and uh, make sure you're subscribed on uh, whatever podcast app you're hearing us right now. And uh, as always, the latest at TalkAndAudio.com. Until next time, my name's Matt Robinson. We will catch you all later. I am unhappy with the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting. I wanted it to go better. I wanted it to go better.